1: Edmund Ironside. With your hosts, Graham Duke and Ali. Cook.
2: Hello! Oh, another X Factor? Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so last time we had the pretty disastrous reign of Ethelred. He was awful. Lost his kingdom. Uh, defeated by the Danes, but he just got it back. Was about to lose it again, so technically the Saxons are back in town. Which is why this week we are doing Edmund Ironside.
1: Cool, cool name. Finally, very the Saxons name. are catching up with um, the the Vikings in terms of names. I think what's happened is they've, they've taken stock. The PR department has said we need to do something about this. <laughs> <chaps." laughs> Unready
2: just did not work.
1: Edmund, not very good name. We need to put something on the end of it.
2: Now he is, of course, Edmund the Second as well, because of one of our kings that we've actually done was Edmund the Right, He looks more Saxon on this card as well. He's got none of the
1: kingly features. I suppose it's a a, a nation in trouble. Mm.
2: So how's he looking? He's looking mm. embattled, mm. ruddy, older. Actually, how old is he? Well, I mean, he's probably about twenty-six when he takes the throne, so he's not very old. But I you he also here his boots muddied, yeah, so he's, he's a battled man of action. Yeah. And he is the twenty seventh great grandfather to Elizabeth II. I forgot to mention last week Ethelred was the twenty eighth great grandfather. So the name, sorry, the number, it's coming down, coming down. Yeah, still quite big, but nevertheless. Anyway, so he's Edmund II, but nicknamed Edmund Ironside, and he is the second oldest son of Ethelred the Unready. But the elder son Athelstan, as we'll see later, um, dies before Ethelred so Edmund becomes king. Right. But the position which Edmund inherits is that Ethelred has died on the verge, probably, of losing his kingdom. So Canute... He's ready. ...who is the, the Danes, is ready to try and take things, but Edmund is now going to come along and try and stop him. Yeah. But to tell Edmund's story, it's probably useful to go back a little bit into Ethelred's reign to see what Edmund's mm. been doing and how he comes to be the man defending the kingdom. Okay. So Athelstan. Aethling was his older brother, Edmund's oldest son. And he was the man who was meant to be the heir to the throne, but he died in about 1014, a couple of years before Ethelred. And he'd leave, he's very, apparently very close to Edmund, and together they did do some fighting against the Vikings, where Ethelred didn't, but they were men of men mm. of action. So he left Edmund his prized possession, which was the sword of Offa. The Viking? We remember, uh, no, we remember King Offa. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. long, yeah. long time ago in backgroundy stuff, but he had his sword, which is quite a... Mm treasure possession, he gives it to Edmund, who's clearly they got on well together. And he has a will, which is a bit unusual, but because he knew he was dying, he leaves a will. And he mentions his brothers, he mentions Ethelred and his grandmother Elfrith. But interestingly, he doesn't make any mention of Emma, which was Ethelred's second wife, or her son. Oh, so right. it suggests there's a bit of a family he dynamic going there. that way. Indeed, because you think Emma was probably about the same age as. The sons, really, like Athelstan and Edmund, yeah. It's like Jeremy Kyle, very much like Jeremy <laughs> yeah. Kyle. But also the fact that she has children is obviously that's a right That's their rivals, mm. really. The yeah. two step But so Athelstan dies, which leaves Edmund as the natural heir. But he has a major rival. If you remember last time, Edric Streona, mm-hmm. who is this sort of Arthur's at Ethelred. They are big time rivals in this period. Edric. Uh, sort of favoured accommodation with the vikings he was quite a big proponent of the dane girls and in fact one year he dissuaded Ethelred from launching quite a big attack on the vikings so he's very much a man of no let's not do very much mm. edmund on the other hand he is all for fighting mm. he wants to get out there and kick the vikings yeah so the sort of echoes of appeasement in Churchill with yeah. edmund very much as the
1: these so sort of people there's only one thing they understand yes <laughs> indeed <laughs>
2: And um, also, Edric, we remember that he arranged the murder of these two brothers, Morcar and um, Sigiferth. Who were they? The two brothers. Of? the um, say st- Emma? No, so they were th- just brothers of each other. Oh, right. But they were two noble people wow. um, that were murdered by Edric. OK. Because mm. remember that under Ethelred there were some murders of nobles. Oh, of that? They were those same murders? They okay. were some of the murders. Mm. And they were quite close friends with Edmund, so it was seen as something of a, an attack on him. Right. So his response was because remember, also, their, one of their widows um, was a woman called Eldgeth and he'd, she'd been imprisoned at Malmesbury. Right. So what Edmund does is he rescues her, marries her, and then uh, takes all of her land. But these. So he's fighting back against Edric.
1: Yeah, uh, the Strohner chap. Yeah. Edric the Strohner. Um, but Edric Strohner was only working on Ethelred's. Orders. Well, this
2: is the thing, we remember with the Lord of the Rings reference you know, Oh, Wormtongue! Yeah. tongue, how much Ethelred is really doing yeah. it and how much he's being poorly advised, which of course is the yep. meaning of the name unread. Mm. So I'm not sure if we it's tempting to see Edmund as something of a romantic hero here because he's the one that's fighting the evil against these um Yeah sort of ne'er too wells. He rescues the maiden. Yeah. Possibly less as a romantic gesture, more just to get her land. But it's nice to imagine that it was romantic. If yeah. we were to make a film of this, it would definitely yeah, be a love definitely. story. Um, and in the family dynamic that we mentioned with Emma, Edric Striona aligns himself very much with Emma, i.e. the stepmother. Mm-hmm. Whereas um Edmund is they're trying to sideline him. So already we can see a big sort of battle converging between them, here.
1: Why would he why would Stranus side with Emma because if he did that, then he'd all he'd be doing is supporting her kids to be king. No, he, he wouldn't get to be king, or are they very young?
2: They are very young. I mean really he's trying probably trying to get the best that he can for himself out of mm. it and he disagrees. He doesn't get on with Edmund, basically. Right. So Emma is a rival to case. Edmund, right. so he goes with the rival. And this did lead to an estrangement with Ethelred. So remember there was a point where Edmund raised an army mm-hmm. that, that wouldn't fight because Ethelred wouldn't go. Yeah. So Edmund went off by himself, did some fighting with a chap called Uhtred of Northumbria. So he oh. just went off on one by himself.
1: He, now, Uhtred
2: of Northumbria? Mm-hmm. Burned a Cornwell books, based oh, on I'm a chap not. called
1: Uhtred of Northumbria. Yeah. Well,
2: interesting. Well, what happens is Uhtred is um, later forced to submit to Cnut. Uh, but before he could do so, he was murdered along with uh, 40 of his thanes which started this 60-year blood feud. So Danish and Saxon families for about 60 years are killing each generation down in response to this murder. What it does, in terms of our story, is it deprives Edmund of quite a powerful northern Mm. uh, ally. So he does get accommodated with Ethelred again, and he comes down to join him in London, which is where Ethelred dies in 1016. So... Uh, Canute is declared king by people uh, in Southampton. Oddly enough, he's somewhere down there now, rather than up north. But London, they proclaim Edmund as king. Right. So you could argue that we don't actually have a definite king. At this yeah. Point. We've got two claimants yeah. for the throne. Yeah, but, but you've got to deal with them one at a time. You've got they, to deal so? with them one at a time. And Edmund is the one who's actually got the dynastic right to it. Yeah. Because his father, he's obviously goes back to Alfred and beyond.
1: And he's crowned in London, which is a sort and of he's crowned in London, to Wessex, exactly.
2: And if we recall, Canute had come over. He's got a big army. He'd had 200 longships, about 10,000 troops. So it's very much in Canute's um, favour at the moment, the situation. It doesn't look like there's much hope for the Saxons. However, uh, things take a bit of a turn for the better under Edmund Ironside. And things start to look a bit more promising for the Saxons. The frosty relations with the stepmother, Emma, appear to have thawed about in this period. So Emma was based in London, holding off the yeah. um, siege in there. And she seems to have come to respect him a bit more. And in fact she sends her oldest son Edward apparently to fight with him. Not sure whether he actually did because he was only about 13 at the time. But nevertheless she sees that actually he's doing quite a good job.
1: So is London the capital here? Yes. Okay. And Bath was just a bit of a...
2: We get prominent cities. Yeah. Okay. And it was an ancient Roman city. Right. So Edmund, king in London, needs to fight back against Canute. So what he does is he fights back. So while Canute was trying to siege London, Edmund went into Wessex, the old heartland, and raised raised an army to fight Canute. So Canute goes off to follow him. And then they have a number of battles, which aren't... It, it, I, you could say they are victories. They're probably more... Um, what's the word? Skirmishes, scuffles, very victories. Yeah, whatever the term is. Um, so at Pencilwood, which is sort of the Somerset-Dorset-Wiltshire border, and then Shurston, which is, again, a similar sort of place, also Gloucestershire. Inconclusive um, battles. But for Edmund, it's something of a moral victory, because Canute would look really, really powerful, and we've had 38 years of decline under Ethelred. Mm. But then Edmund's just, he's holding him at bay, holding him at bay. And
1: in Wessex as well. I bet there are Alfred parallels.
2: Well, indeed. And... Um, Michael Wood said the English, needed, English now have a leader who's giving them heart mm. and actually they're starting to think actually we might be able to win this it's not such a grim inevitability yeah. after all so as he does a bit better he's able to get more levies more money and get more people who are going to fight for him um, so then Canute has gone back to London and is sieging again Emma's holding out in the capital and what Edmund does is he launches a surprise approach from the north of the Thames, rather than the south-west, which apparently is the route you would have expected. I don't know, i Saxon too much. Well, the A303, if you will. Mm-hmm. So he descends from the woods north of London at Clayhill Farm in Tottenham, which I'm sure you know well. Mm-hmm. And it was a surprise move. It wasn't what the Danes would have expected him to do, and it really, really worked. So he breaks through um, their sort of siege works, drives Canutes uh, back to the ships, and enters London in triumph and... Uh,
1: Really, raises a
2: siege, yeah. So they have
1: not expecting that.
2: Held out in London, and he then goes over to Brentford, not Brentwood, Brentford, and defeats uh, the Danish army again. So he's pushing them back, winning in battle.
1: They've got ten thousand. Do we have any indication of their numbers?
2: We're not sure um, how many. I mean, it's not just ten thousand people in one mass walking around together Ah, and fighting. They're they're all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas Edmund is picking people up here and there as he goes, mm. getting new people to come and fight for him. But this is a really significant victory, and it shows that victory isn't inevitable for Canute anymore, and it's really all yeah. all to play for. So Edmund needs more reinforcements, though, because obviously they're quite costly doing these battles, and he needs to keep bringing in new blood to be able yeah. to keep on fighting. So he goes back to Wessex to raise more uh, levies, whereas Canute decides to go raiding into Mercia.
1: Okay, just, just for the funnies.
2: So Edmund goes off to Mercia and drives Canute out again, sends him down into Kent, and they have another battle at Otford, which is apparently near Sevenoaks. But when Edmund uh, charges at them, the Danes just take flight and run away.
1: What's happened to them?
2: They've been caught uh, napping, really, caught by surprise. Yeah. You think for the last 38 years, Ethelred yeah. had just been doing nothing, and suddenly the Saxons are fighting back and fighting back really quite hard, yeah. and it's, uh, it's surprised them, I guess. And I suppose you've had, um, whereas
1: Ethelred had um, inherited lots of people with no real battle experience, now we've had 38 years of skirmish and, mm. yeah, so now if you have a good leader, and it all
2: together. And what Edmund's been doing, because he went off by himself, he was in the skirmish, so he was getting into battles, doing mm. lots of fighting, he's used to it, and he's a man who actually has led in the field and fought yeah. battles, so he knows yeah. what he's doing. He's going to do well. Indeed, so as Michael Wood said, the legend was now in the making. After 30 years of military disaster, a West Saxon of Alfred's line had turned things on their head. Mm. So it's starting to look promising, and uh, he's starting to get a bit more confident. Excellent. So then we get to the Battle of Assendon, a disputed battlefield. It's somewhere in Essex, potentially Ashingdon or Ashton. They're not quite oh, sure why. where it is. But the question of where it is is depending on the best way that Canute would have approached it, by river. So whether he would come by the Crouch, the Blackwater, the Colne, or the Stour, all names which... That's so going going quite a long way be... apart, though. Indeed. Well, he would have come in and then walked, walked, down, walked down somewhere. So. I'm not sure where he would have come from. Either way, it's somewhere in Essex. Cool. And uh, as we said, Edmund seemed to have been turning the tide, even to the extent that Edric Striona, who had been on the side of Canute, yeah. actually comes back to Edmund at this point. Oh, he's... And with some troops. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, so, at a bit of a risk, Edmund goes into the countryside with this quite high enemy presence to try and, you know, because it's easier to get there quicker and get a hold of canute Canute finds out intercepts them takes them a little bit by surprise and then they have a battle a big battle Edmund's forces a huge army against Canute's huge army Is this the, in Essex this one? This, this is in Essex yeah. at Assendon, wherever it is mm. and uh, we're going to go now to the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle for an account of what happened Go let's go When the king as in Edmund, learned that the enemy army had gone inland. For the fifth time he collected all the English nation and pursued them and overtook them in Essex at the hill which is called Ashingdon, and they stoutly joined battle there. Then Erlderman Edric, i.e. Stryona, did as he has done before. He was the first to start the, f- uh, start the flight, i.e. fleeing from the battle, oh, no. and thus betrayed his liege lord and all the people of England. There Canute had the victory and won for himself all the English people. And um, lots and lots of noblemen were killed. In fact, they say, and all the nobility of England was there destroyed. It's a disastrous battle. It goes really, really badly. Canute wins the day, kills all of these big leading Saxons. Even though he's caught unaware? No, he'd um, sort of caught them unaware, really. Basically, they were tracking each other throughout the country, fighting here and there, and this is the point at which they've really come together for the last big battle. And Edric right at the start of the battle, deserts and takes his army with him, his bit of the troops that he brought with him, suggested that he probably arranged this with King. I was going to
1: say that. Would it, would it, would it, it might have been an elaborate thing to draw them to battle, yeah. then leave and leave them with a death. And gave Edmund a sense
2: of uh, undue strength. Yeah. Yeah. So Edric deserts, they lose the battle, and it's pretty bad for the Saxons. But Edmund doesn't die edmund doesn't die and this is where he gets his nickname ironside because he just refuses to give in so he hops off tries to find some more people to fight for him and they probably have another skirmish somewhere in the west country um because he had a bit of a deal with the welsh mm. also working with him a bit of a skirmish there but then Canute's advisors and perhaps edric again edric striona <laughs> advised that they can't keep on fighting anymore. They need to come come to some sort of accommodation.
1: Are you still listening to this chap?
2: Still listening. Well, he's advising commute at this point. Oh, right, sorry. Okay. But he says, we need to come some sort of accommodation with Edmund. We need to sort this out. We can't keep on fighting. It's not going to do anybody any good. So they meet at a place called Deerhurst, which is somewhere on the Severn. And there's a church. It's still there today, which is where they met. Oh, right. Quite nice. And... They met, had a chat about things, swore to be brothers, exchanged uh, clothes, weapons, and presents, sort of something like changing your shirt at the end of, <laughs> yeah, end of a poetic, match. Well, that was a bit of a battle, was it? <laughs> you kicked my ass in on that one. And yeah, and they agreed to partition the kingdom. Very much in the way that we'd seen previously, actually. So Along Cnute, Wattle Street, where it is? Well, yeah, Wattling Road, pretty much. So, Canute takes sort of Northumbria and Mercia, i.e. the northern parts, mm. and Edmund takes Wessex and the south. know he won that, that deal. Well, indeed. But, on the other hand, this is quite historic in terms of what it used to be. So, Edmund's still retaining the Wessex heartland. He's still got that southern bit of the kingdom. And you think, for the position that Canute was in at the start of this... And the position that he's in after the huge victory, yeah. Assendon, Edmund still managed to come out of this with a split kingdom. Yeah. That he is still king of of That's
1: great it. bargaining because the sex,
2: the Vikings could have just carried on and you'd have thought. Yeah, but obviously they considered him such a threat yeah. that they thought it was better to come to an accommodation rather than
1: yeah. to keep it's on fighting.
2: There's a a story in, I think, what we'd call Whiggish histories, which are basically sort of Victorian histories that just everything is the glory of England, Mm -hmm. getting better and better, so anything that goes well is praised, anything that goes badly is sort of... Unless someone else is put under the carpet, yeah. So there's a story that actually what happened was that Edmund challenged Canute to a duel one-on-one, and the winner would take the kingdom, and that Canute either refused or took it on, and when he started to lose, said, why don't we have a truce? Whereas actually I think they did just... Arrange a truce. Arrange the mm. truce without the uh, male wrestling. So we've got a partition kingdom now. In the north, Canute is king. In the south, Edmund is king. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't last for very long because within a month, Edmund dies.
1: Oh, the... Uh, how that? He oh, gets okay.
2: buried with his grandfather at Glastonbury. Mm. Now, you may be wondering why he comes to die. Yeah. And, of course, it's quite convenient for Canute because they'd agreed that when one of them died, the other would inherit the kingdom. Right. Sure enough, a month later, Edmund dies. Now, it's not out of character for Canute, as we'll see later, to kill off his rivals.
1: So he was basically signing a death certificate, saying it was, he's... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dear, oh dear.
2: However, it's not, um, it's not necessarily thought that Canute was actually responsible for him because, as you said... They were in a pretty strong position. Surely they could have. He could have just killed him, yeah, straight out. Why go to the bother of arranging this? He's already could claim the country by conquest, yeah. And actually, it was thought that he did genuinely respect Edmund, and they'd been impressed by what he'd been doing in just a few months, compared to what they'd seen for thirty years of Ethelred. Mm. And in fact, he leaves uh, peacock feathers on his grave a year later, which apparently was meant to help him ascend. Heaven.
1: <laughs> that's very nice. It's very nice. So he
2: actually, and he built a church at Assendon in remembrance of the battle. So he did genuinely respect Edmund, it seems. The finger of blame is pointed oh, to Edric oh, Streona. Nice Rumour that he organised to have him either poisoned or killed. And in fact, there's a story that he was having a row with Canute um, over a game of chess.
1: So when... they're like properly chums. Yeah, properly chums. But they're just ruling their different island for the. Nation playing chess on the border.
2: Oh no! This is a year later. This is when Canute is king. Oh, okay.
1: I thought they were along the Watling Road playing chess. <laughs> <laughs> playing chess all the way up. <laughs> yeah.
2: So about a year later, he's playing chess with Canute. Canute is losing. Gets cross when Edric won't change the rules. Getting a bit worried. Edric protests his loyalty by revealing that he had um, assassinated Edmund so that Canute could be king. And Canute was none too impressed by this, and also probably thought that there's a fair chance he might suffer yeah. the same fate. So he has uh, Edric executed and his body's thrown into the Thames. Yeah, he was bad news this chap. Indeed, and he's got a very negative legacy. So uh, William of Malmesbury described him as the refuse of mankind and a reproach unto the English. Uh, Shakespeare was said to have co-written a play called Edmund Ironside. Not confirmed whether he did or not, but in this, Edric is the arch-villain who's looking to betray both kings to try and take the crown for himself. Yeah. And uh, the BBC History Magazine did a poll ages ago. I think this was, but it's the worst Briton. So it had the worst one for each I century. I remember that, yeah, yeah. And Edric Streona was the worst Briton of the 11th century. Yeah, and sure I can enough, see that. the uh, Anglo-Saxon Chronicle on his murder commented that it was rightly done. So he gets blamed for quite a lot of things. Not necessarily whether he was responsible for all of them, but certainly he betrayed Edmund, and helped out Canute and it's probably quite a big factor in the fact that Edmund ultimately was defeated and killed.
1: Oh right. Okay But that's where we end. Edmund
2: Einstein has died by whatever means and all the other Saxon claimants were renounced by the nobles and Canute declared king. So the Vikings are now in charge of England. That we have a Viking king. After all this time we have a Viking king. Oh man, this is gonna be really tough. It is tough, so well No is this judging. Well exactly, yeah. There. So let's let's come on to it now. The toughest one I think. It, well, I mean, it's, it's like 1066 in a way, mm. it's a good uh, practice, because on the one hand, a valiant warrior, well-respected, great leader of men, turns around from 30 years of inactivity and defeat and despair and disunity, mm. to just brilliant, holding off this great army, fighting valiantly, winning great battles. And as that chap said, legend in the making. Legend in the making, comes to an accommodation. On the other hand, ultimately, the big battle he loses. And Canute becomes king, but he loses, and there's a chance that
1: he could have lost everything. But they still they don't polish him off because I think they've gone. Mm. They're a bit scared of
2: him. That's true. And in fact, um, Emma, who mm. we mentioned before, who well, well say why she comes on to be more important, but she commissioned um, a history called the Encomium Mi, mm-hmm. Latin, and, and that suggested that he died through providence, i.e., that God intervened, saw that neither of them would rule securely while both lived and took edmund from the living world to that of the dead i e suggesting that god himself saw that edmund was powerful enough to rival canute mm. and thus took him away so that canute could rule by himself so as you say they're genuine very much respected by the vikings as a powerful successful mm. leader yeah but he did lose ultimately he did lose but that's that's going to that's going to not be
1: in his favor but overall hmm. so how are we going to rate good. him
2: for battle then out of 10, yeah.
1: he's got to be above 5. Yeah, I agree. But he did lose. Mm-hmm. But against overwhelming odds and still came out with a, a success of, of yeah. sorts. I mean, how would you, how would you score more highly? You'd have to be Alfred the Great, I suppose, against overwhelming odds and, and winning. And, winning. Yeah. and he got a...
2: Alfred the Great. Well, 11. We were a bit harsh on him. We were a bit harsh. Ed oh,
1: because he wasn't at... It was a... He but did a lot of defensive stuff yeah, after the initial
2: battle. I'm, mm. I'm thinking a six, or maybe a six and a half. I'm Just more close slightly, to six and a half. slightly lower than the seven to ten bracket, which would be the real success. Yeah. But I think six and a half. What are you going for?
1: Well, I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'm going to go seven.
2: I like it, He's it's a legend Beautiful. in the making. Indeed. Thirteen and a half, that draws him level with uh, Edward the Elder, who was, was quite a battling yeah. king. No, I think he's good. I think he's... he's got the iron side. iron side, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Good start, good. Edmund. Good start.
1: Scandal.
2: I, I have nothing to offer for Scandal, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, I, I didn't hear any. I'm, I'm sure that as a, a king, and, you know, all's good in Love and War, I'm sure he did quite a lot of unpleasant stuff, but nothing that's been recorded and... Given to popular memory, so.
1: I mean, I think because he's got this legendary uh, status, people probably didn't want to. Reg- didn't and want he to just didn't. It. I
2: mean, he didn't really have time as king, you think? I mean, it's seven. Well, we'll come to this later. He's only there for a certain number of months. He All he's doing is fighting, really. He doesn't have time to yeah, one year, get up not so much. Been... Okay, yeah. He's, it has to be zero, because <laughs> we've got nothing. Poor chap. Unlucky. I'm sure, given the chance, he would have done plenty. Yeah. yeah, more scandal.
1: Subjectivity.
2: Again, not a lot to offer because it's just really fighting.
1: But it's fighting to improve the situation. He's not mm. mucking around with coins because he hasn't got long. He's yeah. just making sure that he's he's trying to make it secure. But in doing so, it's going to be painful because there's battles. Mm. The end product... And a lot be of the it.
2: major nobles, of course, who get killed at Assenden. On the other hand, it's not like Ethelred where we've got rape and slavery yeah. or, or that sort of in thing. In fact, he's
1: putting paid to them, and the Vikings would be lucky to... Get past him in order to do that yeah, maybe in fact you
2: they probably stopped to a certain extent, it's mm. not the same because they are now just concentrating on fighting a proper war against another army
1: yeah, he's putting up the defense, I think it's good I think it's good, i mean it's not it's not the advent of penicillin and slime Plus. <laughs> no but he's got um he's got he's got something hasn't he out of ten, I'll give him a five because he can't you can't go the into the second half by making by stopping it by securing the territory mm. overall and making things loads better with all the coins but he's done the first bit he's tried to secure it mm. I'm going five oh, no I'm going four no I'm <laughs> going four because he ultimately
2: doesn't I'm going to give him three for much the same reasons mm. but just be a little more because he he just doesn't have anything to offer us oh. really other than hope yeah that's a seven in all for subjectivity which isn't too bad not very long speaking of which
1: longevity
2: Seven months and seven days.
1: Cry- so he's he the first
2: it. of our kings who doesn't actually see out an entire year. Are we going to give that 0.7? Well, well, no, because my calculations, because they're 12 months in a year. Not 10. Yeah. It would be 0.58, I think, would be his total for longevity. OK. Mm. So he doesn't do too well there. He's going to fall back down a bit, I fear. But we are an accurate uh, factoring here. Exactly. It's what you've got to do.
1: Dynasty. Not the program.
2: Two sons by um, Ealdgith, the woman that he rescued and married mm. from prison. Uh, both sons, Edward the Exile and Edmund. Pretty good going in seven months. Are they? Are they seven months old? Or well, they... no. I mean, I think he it would was have beforehand. Isn't it? Yeah, because I think he... that was before he was king that he got married mm. to her. Mm. But yeah, they are only toddlers at best when he dies. So they're not really in position to launch uh, an effective counter campaign <laughs> <laughs> against Canute. Okay, but two, two, not mm, two not bad. Not really bad. but. Unfortunately, that does mean his uh, lack of longevity. That his total is just twenty-three That's less zero eight. Than
1: that. That's terrible. That's less than a, a, a the unready for just in in the in his yes longevity. <laughs> Indeed, that's yeah.
2: But that's what happens. He was barely. He was only there for a few months. All he could do was fight the battles as he took them. Okay, so that's him. A low score, but quite an impressive. Character, so we move to on to our. Tell you what, sorry, oh, quickly, before we move on,
1: we should start doing the scores. Yeah. can work out some formula by we can work out how successful their overall score was in relation to how long they were alive. Mm, so he did really well.
2: Yeah. We'll work. It's it complicated out. In mathematics. Yeah.
1: We'll <laughs> sort that out. Excel will do something. To stop this being the yeah. longest podcast ever,
2: <laughs> we get our calculators yeah. out. That's we, not fair conversation as indeed. well, that one, isn't it? We come to the, the final category, the. The greatness, does he have it? Does he have that star quality that elevates him above the others? Which is...
1: Rex Factor! I reckon he does.
2: It's, it's tricky. I mean, I'm going to bring back the tweet from uh, Richard Holmes, yeah. the non-enement prim- uh, military historian, <laughs> criticising us for not giving Edgar the Peaceable the Rex Factor. Does Edmund deserve it more than Edgar. Well,
1: because we think I Edgar
2: had that huge navy built that went mm. all around the country so that no one could invade. All-powerful, no one could touch him. Coins, they love their coins. Yeah, yeah um,
1: the, the rowing boat. Rowing yeah, the boats, all yeah. the
2: kings submitting to him. Lots and lots of juicy scandal. And he's very successful.
1: He is, but... Now, I'm not one to give out Rex back to willy-nilly. Indeed. I was thinking there was going to be about six in, the, in all <laughs> 1,500 years, 1,200 years. But I think this guy... That What was the quote? Who was the quote about the legend?
2: Legend in the making. Yeah. Mm.
1: Now, he didn't... He wasn't... Whereas Edgar the Peaceable... I think he was... Now, I know I always talk about this standing on top of the mountain business. with saw yeah. it held high. I, he had the wrong after mountain. A victory. <laughs> yeah. He had the wrong mountain. <laughs> mm. This guy... I think he's there. I think he's there, but he's like a spirit. He doesn't <laughs> he's, he's a, a priest. ghost <laughs> hanging there with a sword <laughs> held aloft. And I think that counts.
2: He's got the ghost factor. Yeah. I mean, but the problem is you have this thing where you want someone to have a great battle and victory and be there with a the sword held aloft. Yeah. The problem is the great battle, it's Canute who's holding the sword. Edmund is... Sort of. I'm still going. I'm still going. I'm not beaten. <laughs> yeah. But his the sword Monty is and bite you to death. Yeah. But yeah. he's not. I don't think he's holding a sword quite aloft. It's brilliant, and I. I. He's really. He captured my imagination. I have really yeah, liked. I liked him a lot. But he ultimately he loses. He's got the spirit of Alfred. He's got the spirit of Alfred, but he didn't quite have the luck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> didn't quite have the luck, but I reckon. I reckon he's. He would have bossed Alfred in his time. <laughs> now that's controversial. No, that's very controversial. I reckon Edmund II, hmm. given Alfred's circumstances, we wouldn't. he'd have probably invaded Denmark.
2: <laughs> I, you can move to Alfred or to Edgar here. Alfred? Not to Edgar.
1: No, I, I reckon if, uh, if we had Edmund instead of Alfred at the time when he's sitting in his swamp. Well,
2: because when Alfred sat in his swamp, of course, and the whole kingdom was reduced to the swamp, yeah. Alfred came out, fought a great battle... And one, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Surely that's a big mitigating factor: winning, not yeah, losing.
1: Yeah, and I mean, but but the thing is, you don't to get this Rex factor. You don't have to achieve in every um, factor. Because factor. let's have a look at these scores here. Because we've got Alfred. Who's got it? Alfred, great, and Ed, Athelstan m- Athelstan Ethelstan.
2: Sixty-five and fifty-five, because yeah. yeah. quite long range. But he didn't. He didn't choose dynasty. Battle newness. Dynasty. Athelstan didn't. No,
1: no. Alfred the Great had low scandal.
2: Mm. Edmund Irons had no scandal, and yeah. less children than Alfred. Okay, so let's call, let's come down to it. Let's yeah. let's lay our cards on the table. What are you going to say, Rex Factor? I'm. I'm. I'll let this go because you <laughs>
1: you let Edwin the peaceful go.
2: I did say yes, so i I I put my yes out there.
1: Yeah. Um but I think he he's the closest to uh, he's more he's more there than um Edgar hey, for me. Obviously but I didn't agree Edgar, so you <laughs> But oh yeah, I think he had he was he had exactly the sort of spirit that we're looking for in a Rex factor. And I think future kings would do well if they knew that this was coming up, Said, look at him as an example. <laughs> Even though he was, didn't quite make it, I think, for, for reasons out of his control, I think he had more Rex Factor potential than the ones that achieved Rex Factor,
2: but he didn't achieve Rex Factor. So it's a no. It's a no. And I'm also going to say a no. It's bad luck to Edmund, but I think the important thing is he, he did lose, ultimately. If he'd won that battle and he'd defeated Canute, mm. it's a no-brainer. Rex Factor, but ultimately he had to win, I think, to get a Rex Factor. he's still
1: he's still, he's still great and Jolly good. I mean A star.
2: And it's a great very refreshing after Ethelred and then um Edward the Martyr beforehand. Mm. Finally we have had a good Saxon king again. Yeah.
1: Top banana. I mean, Top really, banana. Yeah.
2: But ultimately the legacy is that the Vikings are now in charge. But before we come on to the Vikings, next time we've got to uh just do a little recap in terms of who's who in Prince Watch So who's who? Who many have, who, have who? <laughs> how many sons are there who could be king? Two from him. Well, going back to Ethelred, mm. his first wife Elgifu. Edmund is now dead, mm. of course, but there's still Edwig, who is an adult male. He well. might want to try and challenge Canute for the throne. Mm. And then by Emma, Alfred and Edward are both still alive. Um I think in going to Normandy, I think in exile. It's quite important. Edmund Ironside has had two, so that's Edward and another Edmund, who are both toddlers. And, of course, we've got Canute now, who is mm. actually king. Mm. So, again, we've got one, two, three, four, five, we've got about six men. And who's that Oh, the bottom? oh that's the Harold II. We, well, we were not going to have... we'll cover him next time, he's not really in there. So we've got five. Five and Canute, who is actually king. And, of course, now we've got different marriages by Ethelred, and now a Viking who is actually king. So already we're starting to see... Yeah. Different people who've got a claim to the throne.
1: Yeah, it's gonna get
2: tricky. It's gonna get tricky, it's gonna get complicated, but we're gonna steer you through it step by step. But next week we have our first Viking king, Canute. Look forward to it. See you next time. Ciao.